Welcome back to Podcast 2 of 2023. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. Follow me on Twitter, OBKiev. Follow us at The Icebreakers and follow us on social media slash The Icebreakers. This episode is being brought to you by ShotQualityBets.com for 30% off Shot Quality Bets package. Please visit Shot Quality Bets and use the promo code ODDS23. Terms, conditions apply. If you'd like to support The Icebreakers and benefit from our premium plays, please visit theicebreakers.com, click shop, and become a member and pick any of our winning handicappers to get our premium plays before the line moves. You can also support us on patreon.com. And if nothing else, please visit the Icebreakers to become a free picks and Telegram newsletter subscriber. Lots of craziness in the NFL. Still no decisions on when or if the makeup game is going to happen which puts fantasy football in complete dismay. (laughs) You know, there's a lot of different ways to attack the situation from a commissioner's aspect. You would have to make a decision that somebody's not going to like either way. You know, there's just a lot involved. A lot of people say, just leave the score the way that it is. It's just there's bad luck in fantasy. Well, (laughs) there's also bad luck if the commissioner says, go ahead and pick anybody off your bench pick the highest scorer, and then the other teams would be like, what? They didn't slot that person in. Uh, That's bad luck to them. It's bad luck to the opponent. So there's just a lot of ways to say it. You can't punish someone for a non-played game. That's the important thing. I I personally think that going by their projected numbers, being that it's venue dependent, there's projections for a reason based upon the fantasy venue you choose, whether it be ESPN, Yahoo, Sports, uh, Fantasy Pros, or any of the ways that people play fantasy football. I kind of like that one because lots of times maybe you'll have Josh Allen and would have given up your second-string quarterback just on picking somebody else up that week, being that it's supposed to be the last week of fantasy football. I mean, the problem is, is that there's no way to make everybody happy in this situation so decisions are going to have to be made that's definitely going to be hurting some people's feelings you know and if you want to really dig deeper into it this is the nfl's fault because the nfl didn't have any type of protocol for this situation so the best thing that could happen is they do make up the game via fantasy but what's bad for making up the game it's still in that perfect situation because you're punishing those teams by not having as much rest going into the playoffs as the other teams are going to have due to this situation. So it's not perfect by giving them a game and taking out the Super Bowl media by week either because you're just resting their opponents more than they're getting themselves. It's just such a catch-22. There's no good answer to how to handle this. So um, the most important thing, obviously, is Damar Hamlin's health. Uh, he's in critical condition, but stable condition from what I'm hearing. I think he's going to pull out of it. Definitely season over this year. Hopefully he comes back and uh, is able to live a normal life and possibly a normal football life 
coming for 2023. All right, back to business here. So <clears throat> we have a great show for you today because Justin Perry from Shot Quality Bets is coming on to discuss some of the biggest college basketball games of the weekend. Can't wait for him to come on and uh, go over some of the marquee matchups, maybe even have a couple early plays where we guess the lines just like we did all year in 2022 basketball season. Before he comes on, I'm going to discuss a little bit of the national championship game with a small play, and I'm going to get into NFL Week 18, which has been very crazy based upon all the potential motivational spots. It's like 18, Week 18 this year is the biggest motivational spot I can remember since preseason football. <laughs> um, over the years, even last year, I don't remember week 18 or years before week 17 being this turbulent when it comes to guessing these motivational spots. I think it's very interesting how the NFL has moved the games around. So I'm going to go into all that when I do my NFL segment. Before I get into that, I want to give you a little update here. Our NFL season is 115, 93 and 1, up 31 units, having a wonderful NFL season, mostly thanks to parlays and teasers. We are 5 and 2 in parlays. Don't do as much, but I'm finding more and more value with the, the minus 6s, minus 6.5, six because you're getting maybe minus 240, minus 250 juice on those, which makes it better than teasing a 6.5 down to 0.5. You take the parlay instead sometimes. Um, and obviously the teasers in itself, 11-5-1 and refuse to lose teasers and 16-8-1. So really happy for that. Uh, college bowl season is finished fantastic. I mean, it's almost over. We have one tiny play, but we are 24-12-1, up 30 units in college bowl season. But I also have to mention that I am down in college football throughout the year. I want to be completely transparent. I am down 28 units at a very rough uh, early part of the college football season and uh, was happy to kind of build it back up here with bowl season, but I want to be as transparent to you as possible. The biggest thing for me, though, is college basketball, and that's why our podcast, as you can see, has moved to Friday mornings. Our interviews live with college basketball experts will be around the 12 o'clock Pacific, 3, 3 o'clock uh, Eastern time zone on Thursdays on our YouTube channel. So if you're not following our YouTube channel, you could have got some great plays throughout the NFL season when we did it on Wednesdays uh, before some of those lines moved with some of our great guests. So try to tune in if you can. Maybe it's lunchtime for you or something. Totally get it if you can. You can always wait for the podcast to come out on Friday morning so you can listen on your way to work or at the gym or however you like to do it. Our college basketball package has dropped rapidly in price. We are giving you a massive discount for my college basketball package. I was 62% last year during March Madness, which was awesome. Now, I don't do a ton of self-promotion, as you can tell, but we do have to pay for all the expenses for our podcast and our website, so any help would be greatly appreciated. We're giving away our college basketball package under Kiev O'Neill for only $300. Only 300 for January, February, March Madness, and into April. It would support us, and it'd be a great investment option for your portfolio. If not, please continue to listen to this podcast. Get the free plays. 
check out the website. We're giving away free plays every single day at theoddsbreakers.com. All right, without further ado, let's get into the college football national championship game between TCU and Georgia. TCU has just been a blessing in disguise for college football fans and Big 12 fans. you got to give them just a ton of credit for what they did. I mean, they've been doubted all year by guys like me, guys like the best sports bettors in Vegas. I don't want to mention any of their names, but they keep overachieving. They keep proving us wrong week to week. And just seeing them in the national championship game is kind of cool. The small school getting to play against Georgia is fantastic. But I also don't want to discount anything that Georgia did because we are all non-believers of Georgia before the season started. <laughs> I even had Ohio State future at 6-1 to one from May. I hedged back a little bit of it <laughs> before the Georgia game was able to pay, get a little Georgia money line. But guys like Stetson Bennett, which was my Heisman pick, uh, definitely deserves a ton of credit. But this game hopefully will be interesting. Obviously, the spread at minus 13 says it won't be. Total of 62. The, I mean, here's the thing. Georgia showed a little weakness to me versus Ohio State. That field goal is made. We have a different team in this national championship game, right? I wasn't super high on Ohio State, but I loved what C.J. Stroud did. I think he was fantastic. But what they did was shown a few vulnerabilities to Georgia. Georgia's pass rush didn't show up against Ohio State that much, and that maybe it was because of their Smith injury. That worries me a little bit. Also seeing C.J. Stroud run all over them last week worries me a little bit as well because Max Duggan is a fantastic running quarterback, and so he's going to be able to move the ball um, possibly at will. A big problem that I do have with TCU in this game is that Kendry Miller was really banged up against Michigan. He tried to play the rest of the game, but he was limping. So you wonder if that's going injury is going to get worse you know, the next morning, day after that, when everything obviously swells up, I don't know. He's definitely in the questionable status, so I am a little bit concerned about that. I think he does man up and play, does whatever he has to do, but he is definitely the best running back for TCU, so I am a little bit concerned about that. Um, strength of schedule, you got to give it to TCU at 21 to Georgia's 31 or 34 on Sagarin. So a slight advantage, but you can obviously offer or even counter that, that Georgia played an SEC schedule. So, you know, there you go. <laughs> I think uh, what Georgia did against Ohio State, what they did against Tennessee is proof enough that, you know, they're one of the best teams in college football, probably the best team in college football, according to the spread they are. Uh, they've been a number one in my power ratings for over half the season. Georgia's got a .82 yards per play advantage. The biggest weakness for TCU is against the run, though. That's the biggest issue for them. Georgia should be able to control the time of possession in this football game. Uh, TCU allows 4.2 yards per attempt. Now, that's not bad. It's just not elite. And usually when you're playing a offense that's elite, you have to have an elite rushing defense. You remember Cincinnati giving up all those rushing yards to Alabama last year when they played in the college football playoffs. So I'm very worried about that. Uh, TCU's success rate against the run is only 72nd as well. So Georgia's got a serious advantage running the football. Georgia, they do rank seventh in rushing success right now. It's not some of those, 
Georgia teams with DeAndre Swift, um, you know, a couple of the other great Georgia running backs. Uh, Cook was good last year. It's not that Georgia team, but they're still very good at rushing the ball. Seventh in success rate, seventh in yards per rush. So just want to piggyback on the fact that there's a massive advantage here. And if the trenches has an advantage, it's definitely towards Georgia. TCU has a little bit of a smaller defensive line. Now, they've been doing enough, but it's mostly because of that uh, TCU offense with Max Duggan. It's not TCU's defense that's been carrying them at all. So that's the problem. But here's where TCU might be able to hang with the Bulldogs. Um, Georgia only ranks 108th in explosiveness on offense, so they it takes them a while to get down the field, which is great if you have a lead, but it's bad if you don't have a lead. TCU ranks fifth on offense uh, in explosiveness. So that's a big concern here that TCU can kind of get back in the game if they can move the ball. It doesn't matter how bad your defense is if you can't be stopped. I mean, ask that SUSC. The time they do get stopped, they get blown out. So that's why you see such a big spread. If TCU does get stopped, they will get blown out. Georgia will score the ball at will, which makes you lean towards the over a little bit in this situation, right? But Georgia ranks 32nd on defense, allowing explosive plays. So 32nd, not elite, you know, and so I think TCU might be able to get some big explosive plays, and that's where Max Duggan could possibly keep in this game. I think TCU hangs um, <laughs> because of that. My power rings have an 11. The explosiveness and just the sheer momentum of TCU would make me make the game nine. So I don't mind making a small play on TCU at the 13, 13 and a half. But I think you should counter that too with a prop. There's going to be a prop market opening up probably the night before, the day before the game. Keep checking it. If it comes out a little bit early, you're going to want to hit those early numbers. But take the Georgia rushing prop over. You know, there's going to be one on McIntosh or Edwards uh, for their rushing prop. You might even look at the uh, Kendall Milton that's had, you know, 75 carries for 559 yards. Just kind of take a look at the rushing props there and maybe take a few of those on the over. I think that'd be interesting if you can possibly attack it that way. One person that doesn't rush the ball that much is Stetson Bennett, so just know that. He's only 54 attempts for 166 yards. And if, obviously, Georgia's winning this game, he's probably not going to run much at all. So be very cautious with his prop. But I like the Georgia rushing props. And I'm going to give you a strong lean to the over right now at 62. I should also mention that uh, this will be played at SoFi Stadium uh, in L.A. So you should have some great weather, not have to worry about wind or anything like that. So being that it's a dome, you should be in a great position to attack this over and make sure you get it early enough. I would wait a little bit longer for some under money, but make sure you get that early enough. But what we're going to do is take TCU at the plus 13 for two stars. And later we're going to do some props on Georgia. Watch out for my tweets at the odds breakers. If you currently are not following. Get busy living or get busy dying. That's goddamn right. All right, now I'm going to get into a little NFL week 18 here and lots of craziness. Like I mentioned earlier, it's a big spot for a lot of teams. Motivationally, it's a bad spot for other teams or a, I don't really care spot for some teams motivationally. Um, it's hard to tell in many cases, 
So we try to predict what we sometimes would do ourselves, which is wrong plenty of times. I have some good moves and I have some bad moves. I'm just going to tell you right now, I have Denver plus three. It's uh, They're minus two right now. That was a good move. I have Washington plus six. Now the Cowboys are minus seven, so that wasn't a good move. Obviously, I gave that out based on the Cowboys' motivation, but as you know, Washington's quarterback news changed that. And I have the Jets plus uh, three and a half, and it's down to close pick them. I think the Jets are actually favored by one here, so that was a good move. You know, the rest are kind of pushes here. Uh, one of the plays I'm going to give you is currently at the same number that I bet it on. So um, I'll go over that. And I think with the big motivational factors this week, I think parlays are in order. Parlays uh, in the first half. You know, so you can try to figure out who's going to be motivated for the first half and make your own decision if you want to use that in a type of play. So let's get started right away with Kansas City versus Las Vegas. Las Vegas is still plus nine, totals 52.5. I think this is a teaser protection line. Lots of other books have the Raiders juiced a little bit more than plus nine. Just because, you know, it's a teaser protection, you want to get it to eight and a half and the books get hammered with the Kansas City Chiefs teaser leg. You know, that's just how life's been for a long time. Now, keep in mind, uh, if you want to bet the Chiefs, you do not want to do it now. This should go down, in my opinion, based upon the hype with the Raiders, based upon their last performance. Uh, I know it was Derek Carr that went to Kansas City and forced the overtime. Bad call with that Devontae Adams catch that they replay ruled out of bounds. I think that was ridiculous. But uh, the Raiders played a very close game with the Chiefs, and the Chiefs play have been playing a lot of close games lately, you saw with Denver. So I can see the love for the Raiders in this situation just based upon that. Now, the problem is, where do you, where do you mark Jared Stidham? Stidham did a pretty good job last week. He did. Um, is it sustainable? I don't think so. I think that uh, you know the Raiders are going to come in wanting to play the upset role, which is a big part this week of handicapping is teams that want to play the spoiler. Uh, I think they will try to or want to play the spoiler. I don't know if it's going to work. But my perfect number on this, if Derek Carr was playing, is minus six. Chiefs minus six at home. Or sorry, on the road at the Raiders. And uh, if the downgrade is three points, then you're at minus nine. That probably is my downgrade right now. Uh, I think that Kansas City is a pretty clutch team. So even if this game is close, I do think they win it. I, I wouldn't mind a teaser leg at the eight and a half, eight, you know, waiting on that. But in my opinion, this is probably a stay away um, and probably just a game I'm going to enjoy on Saturday afternoon. The next game you have is the Tennessee Titans versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars are at six and a half. They're down to six. Totals at 40. There's been a lot of, well, let's just say uh, sharper money on the Titans pushing it from six and a half down to six. My opinion on this is how is this going down when Josh Dobbs is the quarterback for the Titans this week? You know, he's not that good. You know, I I don't think that he deserves this much credit over Malik Willis being that there's no Ryan Tannehill here. 
Now, the big thing is that the Titans did rest their guys. They have a lot of rest because they played the Cowboys, and uh, that's going to help them uh, you know, get up for this big game. This is maybe the biggest game of the weekend based upon one team making the playoffs and one team doesn't. I mean, Jacksonville has a smidgen of a chance to make the playoffs if the Browns defeat the Steelers, if the Jets defeat the Miami Dolphins, and if the Bills defeat the Patriots. Now, what's funny is that since it doesn't look like Bridgewater or two is playing, as a matter of fact, Miami just signed Glennon, the Jets are favored. The Browns are only two and a half point dogs, and the Bills are big seven point favorites against the Patriots. So there is a chance that uh, <laughs> a better chance, at least, than we were thinking coming into this week that Jacksonville makes it in with a loss. But the way they have to approach this game is they're out if they don't make it, and the Titans are definitely out if they lose this game. So I actually like the Jacksonville Jaguars to win it because they have the better quarterback. They have a great coach, and the big metric that I'm looking at is rush EPA. Jacksonville is fifth in rush EPA. Now, the Titans are first, but this is why you need a quarterback to win this game, and we know that Trevor Lawrence is definitely better than Dobbs. So numbers-wise, I have Jacksonville winning by 6.3. Do I want to play that? I'd rather play them to win the game in a parlay. So I actually took Jacksonville at minus 250, and this is going to be a play I'm giving out to you. And I actually like them with the New Orleans Saints at minus 165 to make your parlay at plus 115. I mean, the way that I think the Saints are going to win this game, and I'm just going to fast forward to this, is just for the fact that they were out of the playoffs pretty much before Carolina blew it against Tampa anyway. Where do you compare Sam Darnold to Andy Dalton? <laughs> Pick your poison. I actually think Andy Dalton's a little bit better of a quarterback than Darnold. So I like that. I like the fact that you know the Saints are a little bit more healthy and they're probably going to play with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder um, with their bad season. I, I think the fact that Carolina blew it against Tampa pretty much blows the chances for Wilkes to be their head coach next week anyway, even with a win. And I just have the Saints as an all-around better team than Carolina anyway. I have the Saints just perfect metrics from the algorithm is minus 5.5 here. So I'm parlaying them with the Saints. Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars with the Saints at plus 115 for two stars. And so then I got a call from him saying, we don't have to worry about money no more. And I said, that's good. One less thing. All right. Next game, we're going into Sunday. Patriots versus Bills. Bills minus seven, total 42.5. The Patriots have massive problems. And it all started with Patricia on offense and really a lack of talent in the receiver position. The problem with the Patriots is that their defense looks good. I just think it's more based upon the teams that they played. I don't think this Patriots schedule of offenses has been all that great this year. They were very fortunate last week to get a very injured Miami team. So what can a bad offense and a good defense, or pretty good defense, let's say, just like I said, can do against a great 
Buffalo Bills offensive team. Well, pure numbers has the New England Patriots as a 7.3 point dog here. But there's a couple things with the Bills. Obviously, the DeMar Hamlin injury doesn't just hurt them on defense. You know, they lost another safety here. I'm actually curious about their backup, uh, Micah Hyde. He's been working out, but no inclination that he can be back. As well as their cornerbacks, uh, Christian Benford and Taron Johnson. Benford out, Johnson questionable. Johnson actually sustained a head injury early in that Bengals game. So that's a little bit worrisome, you know, for him to play. I'm not sure. They still have Tredavious White at cornerback and Dane Jackson at least. Johnson is their slot. But more importantly, I don't know where the Bills' heads are at after this whole thing. I mean, this could be a big motivational spot, you know, play great for DeMar Hamlin dedicated to him I, I you can dedicate the whole rest of the year to him and i would do that but that also doesn't mean that they might not let down a little bit and still be bummed out about the whole situation it's just an unbettable game and it's an unteasable game as well just because of that whole situation we know how strong the bills are and how good of a team they are anything over seven has been a little bit questionable with the bills this year anyway based upon the fact that They've been backdoored a few times, so I'm probably leaving this game completely alone. Ravens versus Bengals. This is an interesting situation because we thought that Lamar Jackson was going to come back, but apparently he is still questionable. He didn't practice at all on Wednesday, so I still have to assume it's Huntley. And if Huntley's playing, I mean, why bother playing all your guys and maybe you should just rest them for next week. Cincinnati's still playing for the home field advantage or at least the number two seed, right? I have no idea what they're going to do. And I bet you Cincinnati doesn't know what they're going to do, but they know the win here is important because either way they need to win this game. Even if they do get to play Buffalo and try to win against them in order to secure the number one seed. So Cincinnati's going to be completely motivated. Do they feel like crap after the Monday night football? I'm sure they do. But at the same time, they know that uh, you know the game goes on and they have business to take care of. You know, Baltimore, much better team with Lamar Jackson, I'm going to say. I was a little bit wrong about Huntley. I thought Huntley was a little bit better of a backup. Hasn't really proven to be, especially in the clutch situation here. So I expect Huntley to play. He was a limited participant in practice. But what they have after him is uh, complete garbage. I've seen uh, enough Brown and... Uh, seen enough about how this team really relies on running the football i mean i stack the box if i'm the Bengals. the Bengals win this game probably right so they're going to be a, a teaser leg for me for the next segment bucks versus atlanta atlanta minus four total 40.5 i mean atlanta's got desmond ritter bucks are going to probably play some of the backups now they're going to come out with their starters but it's not going to really do a whole lot <laughs> I think this is going to be like a preseason football game for Tampa. They play their starters for a couple series, maybe at the most, and then they pull them because Tampa Bay has clinched the division. They can't improve their spot in the playoffs. They are the four seed no matter what. Beating Atlanta does nothing for them. I mean, if Bowles creates some sort of crazy injury, he'll he'll be completely toast if he isn't toast already. So keep that in mind. 
even at and saying that, I don't know if the Falcons should be minus four. Are the Falcons really that good compared to Tampa's second string? Tampa might keep some offensive linemen in, being that they're they were short on the offensive line. You know, Tampa Bay had some injuries on the offensive line, so they don't really have a ton of people that can play. I know Donovan Smith and Tristan Wirfs are listed as questionable. I believe that they can play. Josh Wells was out. So I think that uh, Tampa can Tampa's backups can probably hang. You got Blaine Gabbert and you got Kyle, Kyle Trask there. So those quarterbacks, are they really a step down from Ritter? Probably not. You know, I'm sure Atlanta's going to come in motivated. Um, I'm sure they're going to, you know, try to put on a show themselves, but this is a running team and I'm not even sure if, uh, they can get to 20 points this whole game. I would say the under is probably a good look in this situation. I don't know how many backups the Tampa Bay is going to put in on defense. It's just a little bit of a dangerous game. I'm going to lean Tampa Bay right now just because it's four points. And I don't think that, uh, the Tampa Bay's backups are that much worse than Atlanta starters. Next game, Browns at Steelers. Steelers minus two and a half. The total is 40.5. I took the Browns and I got a better number. I got a three, but now it's sitting at two and a half for many reasons that the Browns are plenty motivated to come here, play spoiler against their division rival. Hell yeah, they're going to play spoiler. The question is, is Deshaun Watson good enough? Well, last week against Washington, and Washington's not a great team by any means, but they had an experienced quarterback in in Carson Wentz, and the Browns did what they want against them. They beat them really good. The coaching advantage definitely goes to Mike Tomlin here with Kenny Pickett, but the pressure is all on the Steelers here completely, you know, to finish better than 500 for Mike Tomlin and to possibly get into the playoffs. The big problem for the Steelers is that even if they beat the Browns, if Miami beats New York, they're out. And if New England beats the Bills, they're out. It's not as bad as the Jags that need all three to happen, but the Steelers aren't exactly penciled in. Lots of pressure. I think Cleveland keeps it close. I like it. Uh, the, the Browns on a teaser leg for sure. And we'll get into that pairing in the next segment. The Jets at Miami. The Jets are now favored at minus one and a half. Total 38.5. This is such a weird game because Miami's probably going to start Skylar Thompson over Teddy Bridgewater, who broke his right pinky finger. That's his throwing hand. <laughs> I would almost take Teddy over him with a with some bad passing over Skylar Thompson. It's just a tough situation for Miami, who is so excited to try and make the playoffs if they win they only need the bills to beat the patriots so keep in mind the bills are big favorites so they're definitely going to be motivated but then it comes to the other end the jets are going to want to play a big spoiler role i think the jets right now with all of miami's injuries throughout the year you know losing guys like brandon jones trey flowers you know, Byron Jones, you know, just a ton of their pass rush, right? Uh, Justin Zimmer, Emmanuel Ogba. They're, they're just like half of a second string defense now. And obviously on offense, they're still really good if they have a good quarterback. 
You know, they did lose Austin Jackson, one of their linemen earlier this year. Eric Fisher, questionable. Taron Armstead, questionable on their offensive line. So I, I'm really happy with my plus three and a half with the Bengals. I am not going to buy back unless this thing... I, I would say my numbers pick them in this. So maybe at the two, I would consider a small buyback. But right now, I'm just going to lean... Right now with Miami because it's pick them. You know, my numbers pick them. Jets are favored by one and a half. I'll give you a slight lean to Miami. Panthers versus Saints. I already broke that one down. Houston versus the Indianapolis Colts. Disgusting game. I know that Houston can clinch the number one draft pick with a loss. It's just so funny to say that if you lose, you're going to uh, get the number one draft pick because you beat the Bears. But the funny thing about Houston is that they won two games and the bears won three so if they win and the bears lose both teams have three losses you would think the bears would be the second pick because they beat houston but houston tied the colts so the winning percentage is better for houston so they can completely blow their spot do they care i don't know would lovey smith care about their draft pick when he's not going to be there most likely next year probably not so it's just a very weird situation in this game it's ugly uh the colts quarterback i think it might be sam ellinger here i have no idea uh what they're going to throw out there right now obviously uh matt ryan is still kind of sitting there nick Foles is listed as out so i have to assume it's sam ellinger but it's just a disgusting game that i want to stay away if it was matt ryan i suppose i would bet the colts because at least he's been there even though he's not a good quarterback either Cardinals versus Niners. I mean, David Blow with the Cardinals. They're just a banged-up team. Do they give one last hurrah for J.J. Watt? They they probably will in the beginning, but the Niners are just a much better team, and they're going to want the number two seed from what I'm hearing. If I was the Niners, I'd be fine with the three seed anyway because you know that uh, they at least get to play Minnesota in the Dome (laughs) and take it out of the elements. I don't think that's a big deal to a great Niners team, but you know, they sounds like they want to play at home. So uh, yeah, big spread, not even touching this game. Giants versus Eagles, same situation. Now there's a theory out there that says the Giants are going to want to beat the Eagles as a revenge spot, being that the Eagles benched their guys against the commanders a couple years back. Commanders won eliminating the Giants out of the playoffs. That, that could happen, but it would be one of the dumbest moves a coach could make. Imagine Daniel Jones tearing his ACL against the Eagles team when they're locked into the sixth seed. They can't get worse or better with this win uh, because of a grudge. And Ryan Dayball wasn't there, you know, a couple years ago. So why would he care about this situation? I think you played the Giants for about a series or two tops and then you pull your starters. You know, you're not going to do it. What's knocking the Eagles down? to the second or third seed going to do for you when you're locked into the six. Just piss them off more when you might meet them later in the playoffs. This should be the complete, most benching, flattest spot a team should have this whole week. The Giants, if it was me, I wouldn't even put my quarterback or Saquon Barkley or anybody that's starting in for one series. It would be complete uh, backups for me. We'll see what happens. I'm sure that you're not going to get any information from the coach on that. Uh, Dallas Cowboys versus the Washington Commanders. This was my bad line, and I gave it out at three and a half as a free play. I gave it out to premium at six earlier this week. 
I'm going to look at the first half for Dallas. I think that Dallas is going to play through the first half just in hopes that the Giants are competing against the Eagles. But once the first half happens, they're going to look at, you know, McCarthy's going to look and see the Eagles blowing away the Giants. And McCarthy's going to be like, okay, well, let's just bench the rest of the starters and see if Sam Howell can catch up. You know, if Dallas is up by a couple touchdowns, it will definitely get a little dicey. I think a first half parlay, uh, Dallas and a team like the Vikings, who could improve their playoff seed if, obviously, the, for some reason the Eagles lose, if the Niners lose, they can improve their playoff seed. So they're going to kind of go into their game. Being that the Eagles, Cowboys, and Niners games are all in the afternoon. So they're going to set themselves up for success, even though it's probably not going to do them any good once the – Eagles win and the Niners win as massive favorites, you know. So there you go. Rams versus Seahawks. This is an interesting game, too, because the Rams are playing the spoiler. And we know that the Seahawks are motivated to make the playoffs. The Seahawks want to win, but the Seahawks got screwed over by the NFL, as I mentioned in the earlier of the week podcast, that uh, the Green Bay game is late and the Lions might lose motivation because they can't get in, go in over the Seahawks, which would thus make the Packers with an easy win, eliminating both the, the Seahawks and the Lions from playoff contention. That's a horrible situation for Seattle and the Detroit Lions. Don't think that that's not going to affect the uh, players' minds in this situation. And also don't think that the Super Bowl champs are embarrassed a little bit this year and are not going to put their best foot forward against uh, a Seahawks team that has some serious issues in the secondary. Seattle has had a pretty easy schedule, and they rank 21st in dropback EPA, and they rank 26th in rush EPA. Now, of course, the Rams aren't a great team, but they at least rank 6th in rush EPA, which could give them some success against Walker, right? You know, the Rams are terrible against the pass. We'll see if Geno Smith can get it done. Pressure's on Seattle, and it's just a bad spot. I like the Rams at plus six and a half, and it's at six now, and I still would play the Rams. I gave it out at six and a half to premium subscribers. Next game, the Chargers versus the Broncos. This was a total ass-kicking that the NFL did to this spread. I mean, the Chargers were minus three, minus three and a half, and now they're plus two. Total is 40. Well, this game has all to do with the Baltimore Ravens game. The Ravens are probably going to lose against Cincinnati, so that means the Chargers bench all the players, let Russell Wilson win his last game like he did last year at the Cardinals when he was a Seahawk. <laughs> you know, uh, Give the players a little hope for next year, I think is what's going to happen. But if for some reason... If I'm seeing the Ravens competing with those Bengals, I will be buying back on the Chargers at the plus two, plus two and a half, hopefully a plus three or something, wherever that baby closes. I don't think that's going to happen, but I'm really happy with the line value that I gave out on Denver at the plus three. I mean, pure numbers wise, if you give back the Chargers a little bit for their injuries, you know, you're going to have the Chargers at minus four. You know, that's what I think. I think the proper line on this game would be Chargers minus four at a banged-up Denver Broncos team. Finally, the Lions versus the Packers. You know, I've tweeted and complained enough about what the NFL did setting this up for Green Bay, especially as a Bears fan. It kind of grinds my gears a little bit, but 
Either way, I'm going to go against some of my complaining via a game and motivation. I think the Lions are going to try anyway. You know, the Lions know that they're probably not going to make the playoffs coming in, but they're going to also be pissed about it. And they're going to really want to take their aggressions out on Green Bay. I mean, that's kind of how Dan Campbell is. And so they're going to look at like, well, if we're not going to make it, we're definitely not going to let our division rivals in the Green Bay Packers make it. When looking at the numbers, you have to factor in the Lions were really banged up as well. The Packers were banged up in the middle of the season, the Lions in the beginning of the season. Uh, so you can probably somewhat look at season's numbers. Lions are number six in offensive EPA while the Packers are 12th. The Detroit's number 31 in defensive EPA while the Packers are 25th. The Packers have a great uh, corner in Jari Alexander, but the Lions know how to spread the ball out. They also do throw to the running backs, Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift from time to time. Um, with Jamison Williams there, he's kind of a wild card. Uh, you can't put two Jari Alexanders on him and St. Brown. So uh, what are you going to do if you're the Green Bay Packers in this situation? I love Detroit's offensive weapons, and I love how they've been playing. And I know they dra- uh, traded Hawkinson, but Brock Wright and Shane Zistra has been stepping right in pretty well in the tight end position. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot of Josh Reynolds and DJ Chark. I think they're going to be wide open. So I also think maybe some prop plays might be in order. If you want to take a look at that market uh, in defense, Detroit is that's where they, you know, <laughs> give away a lot of points. They are number 31 in defensive EPA. The Packers are 25th, but over the past five weeks, lines improved a little bit when they were less banged up and they're 25th now in defensive uh, opponent EPA. Uh, the lions are about equal in strength to this team. I think the Packers should be favored by 2.5. There's going to be a lot of pressure on the Packers. I like the Lions to find some holes. I know the Packers are going to be able to run the ball against the Lions, but the Packers' rush EPA is even worse than Detroit. So Detroit plus 4.5 is what we're taking. I think they keep the game close in Green Bay. All the pressure, like I said, is on Green Bay. Do that for three stars. The only thing I'm addicted to right now is winning. That brings us to our Refuse to Lose teaser. That is 11-5-1. This is the last weekend of it. And I already hinted during the NFL segment that we are going to go with the Bengals all the way down to minus one with the Cleveland Browns all the way to plus 8.5. We call it the Ohio teaser. So I think uh, for the reasons I said before, the Bengals should be able to win this game, take control of the division. And I also think the Cleveland Browns keep it close with a low 40-point total. I think that's very important to look at. Uh, I love this situation. I would do it for two stars minimum. Uh, I've been doing all refuse to lose teasers for two stars, but if you want to put a little extra juice on it, uh, you can certainly be my guest. You're going to need a bigger boat. All right, now it's time for college basketball for the weekend with our guest from Shot Quality Bets, Mr. Justin Perry. All right, we are back talking college basketball. We have one of our favorite guests, Mr. Justin Perry from Shot Quality Bets. Justin, how the heck are you doing? I can't believe it's January. I know. Happy New Year. I'm so excited that it is uh, officially conference season, best time of the year. We get to really load up on these crazy slates. Going to be talking a little bit about, of course, uh, how everything's been going. But 
I don't know. It's 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 been crazy. It's been a lot of games, a lot of new stuff coming out over at Shot Quality. A lot of games to track because our model plays like almost every game. It feels like, but it has been a big year and an exciting time to just be a part of college basketball. I feel like the product is so good. The games are already like looking like March games. We just had this Baylor TCU game that I, I couldn't like stop watching, and, and what a. <laughs> It's just what a, what a treat, you know. It feels like this is exactly what you want to see. Right when the conference season starts, people are really trying to avoid losses, cement their positions, see the direction their seasons are going. So, uh, very exciting to see it all get underway. It's a wonderful time of year, my friend. Conference play is huge. I always remember it, those totals can be a little bit too high when it comes to conference time. It's uh, it, these teams try a little bit harder, at least at the beginning, you know. They, you know, that comes in the defensive end of the floor. So keep that in mind for people. Uh, I, I love the fact that we're kind of away from the whole mess that you have in December. There's a lot of weird scheduling situations. Some teams just have 15 days off for whatever reason. I mean, it's all over the place. But I heard there's a few new things coming to shot quality bets. I'd like you to uh, explain to our listeners oh, sure. what those are, man. Yeah, we have uh, some new features coming out in the next couple of weeks that we're really excited to show off a bit. We have a model record uh, page that we're dropping, which has this whole new way to take a look at what our projection system has done. Uh, our model has been lights out this season, returning about 120 units already on the year. Pretty high volume, so what really... I try to emphasize is more uh, the return on investment. We do have a lot of picks. Let me pull up the full record because we just uh, was looking at it this morning. Yeah, 1,133, 915, and 34 on recommended plays. Mm -hmm. So very high volume, very reliable, uh, but can be a lot of plays, right? It's hard to tail everything. It's more of a resource, something for you to check your numbers against, uh, have like another way to look at the game uh, with a reliable five and a half percent return well what we're doing is bringing another look to that data by having it accessible after the fact you've only really been able to see projections on uh, the day that they're happening but now we're going to have them all stored forever you're going to be able to go back and see how things projected what actually happened and then if you are a premium member our shot quality expected scores of how the game was expected to go based on shots taken not just you know the variance of shooting uh which is going to be a really great resource for everyone very excited about that but that's just the start we also are bringing a very powerful tool a custom model creator which we're really excited about like you can combine any shot quality variables into your own custom regression model that gets automatically fit to pass data to rate itself on its like return and tell you the record it would have had at different points of value cutoffs so you can basically build your own models on your own variables and and find its sweet spot and really learn you know how to model different things with different attributes on various styles of play like you love the Big East. You think that they're going to slow down. You think it's all about you know how they defend the paint in in that conference. Maybe you only use it for one genre of the D one universe, and you know customize it towards how they play. So there's going to be a lot of fun things that we're going to be able to do with this as we continue to build it. But the first version is going to be coming out this month. I love it, and you can dive deeper into conference play and kind of see how these teams do within the conference. Good example last year, Northwestern. And the Big Ten was a team that looked great in the non-conference. You know, they were rising to the top of rankings. And once they hit Big Ten play, they're the same old Wildcats. So that'll happen. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's 
we, look, they got a big win last night. It's been yeah. uh, it's been it's been a great uh, it's been great. I mean, maybe a comment more on uh, Illinois, but well, we can talk about that. <laughs> well, we will talk about that, and uh, it's great all the changes that are coming and the improvements coming to shot quality because I picked a game this weekend that involves Illinois. We have Illinois versus Wisconsin, and you know. If you've been listening to this show, you know how much of a Badger fan I am. But that doesn't mean that I'm afraid to bet against them. So I always keep that in mind. Looking at shot quality here, I, I, I take a couple key things in this. And I know the shot quality score is pretty close. I'm expecting this to be about a three-point spread. Um, you know, Illinois, especially after losing that game to Northwestern last night, which was a rivalry game, Illinois is coming back home. Illinois is very deep, but they haven't really had anybody shining yet. I thought that Matthew uh, Mayer... Would be a little bit better so far, but um, it's going to take time for these kids to gel together. A couple things about Wisconsin, and um, what I really liked about what shot quality shows is that there's some aggression expected here from their three point percentage. When, when they get a wide open three, they don't miss. They don't seem to hit it according to the shot quality scores. They hit it off the dribble. They're a very good three point machine team just because of it, but they're a little bit shooting over their ability, in my opinion. You know, they're only twenty six. Two hundred sixty third, I should say here, um, in shot quality, uh, shot making. I believe that's the percentile ranking in the twenty six here, yep. and uh, you know one hundred ninety six in rim and three rate. Well, you know, you look at Illinois; they're great at uh, defending the rim, even with a guy the size of Crawl that's going to be in the post. Yeah. And uh, you know, Wisconsin is, hasn't been good in the post at all. They're one of the worst post teams up here. When you have Illinois, uh, they have a very good rim, rim and three rate. Uh, 36, and I love teams that are great at the rim, great at three. Uh, one key thing that might not be factored in is Tyler Wall went out last game, and mm-hmm. he went out with an ankle sprain. He tried to play a little bit but couldn't. It looked like a pretty nasty ankle sprain. If it wasn't a high ankle sprain, it's a bad one. High ankle sprains are the worst, obviously. I'm not sure he's going to play this game. This is a perfect spot for Wisconsin to regress. You know Wisconsin, this team, they do keep games close. But, you know, it's yep. it's time that, you know, Illinois kind of puts their foot forward here with all their skill guys and take it over. I'm going to like this spread probably all the way up to five. I'm going to take Illinois at least all the way up to five. I expect the spread to be three to four. I would say get it a little early because I believe the books won't factor in the wall news until a little bit later in the market. I love it. And I love how you use the uh, the shot quality data there, honestly. I think what you're keying in on with what Illinois does uh, is is a really good way to look at it. I love one of my favorite stats is definitely shot selection, and I think it really quantifies what our data is able to do and what makes it so special. Is like we evaluate how good shots are based on the player who's taking them, right? Not just oh, is it like a good shot because defenders are close? That's all factored in, but it's also on like an individual level. So they are making sure that the players do not take shots that benefit them the most right they are limiting their opponents to bad looks and and the thing with illinois right is that the the shot making allowed has been in the like around the middle range right so they're more like 47th percentile in that and what that means is that guys are still hitting some of those tough looks against them uh you can see some of that in the regression expected the post-up regression for uh, Illinois' defense the guys are have a 54 uh, percent post-up field goal percentage, expected 43. Uh, so that's that's a little bit of a drop. People are doing better than expected there, mm-hmm. so it could improve. You know, we've we've seen some tough losses for Illinois. Uh, the Missouri loss that they took, <clears throat> excuse me, shot quality win, 
Shot quality went on that Missouri loss. So Plus, is, with Missouri, the way they played la- la- yesterday right. doesn't look so bad, does it? Right, right. And, like, again, Illinois was expected to limit Missouri to a lot less threes, uh, and Illinois was expected to score more on threes as well. Um, but it, it's, it is a game of shooting variance at the end of the day, and sometimes you, you can definitely make the right play. Uh, but get the wrong result. And I think that might have been what happened in some of the matchups that Illinois has played. And and that means that there's value on the other side of them because people see them as worse than maybe they should be expected to be. And they should maybe play better than that lowered expectation in the public market. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And uh, big spot for them. Uh, I think they have more talent in Wisconsin's, you know, they're due to lose one. I hate using the do word. That's not a handicapping word, but uh, it's just uh, a spot I think where Illinois is going to capitalize. They need this big win, uh, especially after that loss uh, to Northwestern. So yeah. I almost made me feel they were looking ahead. Why don't you pick a game for Saturday and uh, sure. go from there? Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to talk a little Big East. We can hit it quickly. Xavier is going to visit Villanova. This is a pretty massive matchup. I mean, we just saw Nova come off of a big second half against Georgetown. I don't know if you credit Villanova or if you, you know, if it's detriment to uh, Georgetown, like who gets like the, if it's a win or a loss, you know, it's kind of interesting. But I mean, look, Villanova has been playing very well. I think maybe better than people expected in the last couple games. I mean, yeah, the close game to Marquette, it was they maybe should have won that, but they they played a tough UConn team pretty well, and they're still missing one of their best players, but holding their own in shock quality, rated 51st on the year, uh, going against the Xavier team that's rated 29th though. So I, I don't know exactly what we're gonna see for the line. Uh, expect that it's gonna be like. Almost a pick them, maybe open up with Nova favored by like a point. Uh, you know, I personally like the Savior team. I think they're going to cause some problems down low for, uh, for Nova, who relies on excellent, excellent shot making. Um, and, and, you know, Xavier's going to match that. Xavier actually takes really good shots, uh, they limit their opponents. It's, uh, they have not allowed their like opponents to just get the best looks but they're just consistent almost everywhere on offense so mm-hmm. uh the pnr ball screen they run a pretty high amount they're really really efficient in it um and and you can also take a look at their finishing at the rim they're off the dribble three point r- ratings are really high um and they're pretty good at defending the th- same things they're good at uh just i don't i don't know why they can't seem to stop catch and shoot threes but i would imagine <laughs> that uh that would progress over time to a norm uh, yeah, that's it's higher than it's expected to be. Three-point uh, regression is about 5.5%. Teams are shooting 40% against them. We rated at 34. So, you know, that's what it's going to take, honestly. If, if Xavier doesn't win that game, I'm guessing it's because Nova shot lights out. Like, that's how I'm handicapping it. And I think you can get probably a decent price on Xavier as people are still slow to realize that this is getting to be pretty clearly... Uh, you know, one of the best teams in the Big East. I, I know a lot of people probably still have them behind Creighton and Marquette, um, but I, I personally like Xavier and Providence more than both of those teams. I know we saw a huge, huge performance from Creighton, but like, and, and Kalkbrenner looks to be the glue for this whole thing, but that's that's a big deal. Uh, he, he obviously hasn't been in the lineup a lot, and they're a little up and down, so we got to see it, but I like the Xavier team. I definitely like them over Villanova. Um, even on the road. So that's my take. 
Yeah, I have no disagreement with that. Xavier is the better team right now. I know there's no Jay Wright right with uh, Villanova no more. Now, the thing about Jay Wright is that he, and I think it will be a one-point spread too because it does follow the Ken Palm model. I think that uh, the Villanova always wins by shooting the three, right? I think that's a very important thing that people need to see. But uh, Villanova is just not, the same three-point shooter that they've been. You can see an open three rate right here on the screen. Nova 350th. What is going on? That is pretty bad for open three rate. And then here's another thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I know this says a V. This means X, but yeah, you know, yeah, that, that we we gotta fix that. Yeah, sorry, no worries. That's on our, no worries. No worries. There, villain Xavier is going to be able to defend right. some of those three point shots anyway. But it's not going to hurt them. And uh, if you look at some of the regression stats, Villanova is actually due for a regression at the rim yep. here by two percent, mid range two percent. So um, yeah, it's just a, it's just a spot for Xavier to kind of show that they're the better team. They have the better shot selection rank. 26th in shot selection adjusted shot quality score 30th you know they're just kind of moving up here while nova's kind of moving back you know xavier i like it xavier was mad last year that they didn't make you know some of these kids there's i mean obviously new ones they didn't make the tournament last year and uh this is one of the team that's always been at their crutch and they're gonna come in pretty hot i love how shot quality has this game 70.8 to 66.6 love the game gonna definitely be watching it with you justin so we'll uh, be good one. we'll check it I'll, out i'll have some money on xavier I'll, i promise you that i can't wait for that line to open uh hopefully we get a nice little early line and it's we can get maybe even a pick them uh and i'll probably play the money line uh, it just feels like the right play at this point i don't know your take on this one honestly do you usually like to it, when you have like those small favorites are you taking the money line are you taking the spread i mean i i get a little concerned in in these scenarios that the kids are out there playing for the win uh and especially once you get past like a three three and a half point spread like i i do sometimes split my bet up um and, and it's it's tough though because you do get a better price like you know if you were gonna like pay for points you shouldn't should never do that but well you know, the, the spread is a decent value especially considering the price but i i especially in conference play the money line starts to look a little bit more alluring well here's the thing you know um rothstein always tweets uh went up three you always foul yeah. college basketball used to land on three a lot but now teams are fouling you know a little bit more often which is the right move if you're if there's 15 seconds left you're up by three they got the ball you follow them yeah you don't take you don't give them the opportunity to get a whistle three point or possibly even a four point play you know i mean you don't give them that opportunity you give them two shots and then they try to follow you you make your two and sometimes you won't make both and then the seconds run out when you're up by two anyway yeah. You know, because of that, I know you never lay two and a half. You never lay two and a half because there's always better numbers out there. If there's a two and a half, there's always a two out there for, for one. Um, uh, as far as the dog's concerned, anything over three and a half, I do sprinkle the money line because if I like it over three and a half anyway, numbers-wise, it kind of computes to where the money line is usually um, – got enough juice in it for me to put a little bit yeah. on there and i've tracked this i've tracked it over years and it proved to be worth it to sprinkle your money line over three and a half i agree so, so especially on dogs especially yeah. on dogs yeah if yeah. you so if, if you like this right yeah it's only going like it you know it's only going five percent you know the juice of minus 110 five cents one way five cents the other obviously when there's the the spreads higher the percentage goes up so um mm -hmm. you know if you're liking a dog anyway you know there's going to be a, enough juice there usually on a little bit of a money line sprinkle. How I, that's how I feel about Maine tonight. 
and that's <laughs> plus 500. All right. So, well, there you go, Maine. Maine, there you go. If you're watching, um, if you're watching, Justin likes Maine tonight. So there you go. I, I, I like, I like taking. I think the plus five hundred is a little high. I think that you know Maine could play themselves into a spot where you can hedge the other way and just uh, sit back and enjoy a little arb spot. So uh, you never know. You never know. But anyway, uh, I wanted to really quickly touch on maybe one more game. Or did you want to talk about another one? What How about you this? Have? You, you you pick yeah. another game while I do this one. I like TCU versus Iowa. And of course, big weekend for TCU coming to the national right. championship. Of course, that's going to be on Monday. But still, what a game last night! TCU versus Baylor. I stayed up watching it, and um, a little easier for me towards the West Coast when you are on the East Coast. <laughs> I get to bed a little bit earlier, but these basketball games go late, and they're great. But um, I believe in TCU. I think that they got a lot of momentum going. I think they have a lot of momentum going with their all their sports programs constantly, consistently. But Jamie. I feel good to be a horn frog right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, what a great, great coaching job by Jamie over there. I think, uh, you know, he used to coach Pitt. And, um, you know, he just keeps moving moving up. Uh, I forgot his last name there. Dixon, that's it. Jamie Dixon. So I just couldn't believe how they kept up with Baylor. This was a big spot for Baylor last night with LJ Cryer coming back and Flagler was there. And they were hitting their shots, but TCU just looked motivated. They looked fast. They're coming off their ball screens fast. I mean, if you look at some of these shot quality numbers, and let me share my screen real quick, uh, it looks like a big advantage here for TCU. I love TCU's number two in shot selection. That's part of the reason. That's so impressive, man. That's so impressive. And then, yeah, it's just they, and you can see it when they play, you know, like last night, they just get good looks. They, they finish their shots close to the rim because, you know, they, they get there effectively. The offenses run well, and, and they're also in transition so much like 18% right now in transition and 21st in, in shot quality points per possession, getting 1.48 expected points per transition uh, possession is, is very, very difficult to deal with when you're getting 18% of your possessions like that. Um, it's amazing. So, they're stealing. They're yeah. they're getting lots of turnovers. I think that's the way. First they're... in transition frequency. That's not. It's it, they're first in transition frequency. So yeah, it's yeah. They're they're just gonna run. They're gonna turn it into a track meet, and they're gonna see if you can uh, if you can stop them from getting clean looks when they beat you down the floor. Absolutely, and not just that. You know, I, Iowa State's looked at as a defensive team. And I give it to them. They rank high in a lot of numbers on defense. You can see in their shot, Justice Swap Quality, number one, 21st at shot selection on defense, which is really something that uh, hard to quantify. But, you know, it's just the way they play defense. They, they, they defend the good shots. One thing that I've noticed with Iowa State is not only that are they terrible in offense, 348th in shot making, 220th in shot selection, 249th in rim and three rate. They're a little fraudulent with that record, you know. I know TCU hasn't had the greatest schedule either, either, but at least TCU played the Baylors. They played Texas Tech. They played Utah. They played Providence. You know, they they uh, they they beat Iowa. Iowa State played Iowa and got their ass kicked. You know, yeah. Uh, and the, so here's what's going to help your line here. Iowa State played Baylor, but everyone forgets that was without Baylor's two best players, Cryer and Flagler. And Iowa State won. It was a big home game. You know how it is in Ames. And then they go on the road and beat yeah, an overrated Oklahoma team. Let's face it, Oklahoma's not that good. But other than that, you know, they lost to UConn by almost 20 points by 18. They lost to Iowa by uh, 19 points. Uh, their best win besides that was St. John's. And, you know, St. John's is a pretty bad team. 
Uh, it, it took overtime for an early Villanova win, and Villanova's only ranked in the 50s in many locations. I think Iowa State's right. record's a little bit fraudulent, and uh, TCU obviously going to be the home team. They're going to be a four-point favorite. I like this all the way up to seven. I think TCU just takes care of business, my friend. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. Uh, Iowa State, you know, they have a couple more wins than we expect over at Shot Quality. Uh, their money line, not the money line, their actual record right now, 11 and 2. We have 9 and 4. So expecting a, a few more losses for them, maybe not uh, that strength of record that, you know, people see and it impacts betting lines, right? Like, oh, this team's 11 and 2. Well, what if a couple of their wins, they got a little bit of variance in their direction and, and won a game they shouldn't have? So uh, it, it happens. It happens a good amount. Uh, we had the Villanova game as actually a tie and a slight loss. Um, so they they have been on the luckier side. So I don't know. I think, I think Iowa State should be a decent fade here. Um, Again, their Baylor game where they won 77-62 was a shot quality loss of 65-68 at home. So, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think it's a, a decent fade spot. Their defense has been the best in shot quality, but if there is going to be an offense that comes in there and presents a unique challenge, it's going to be the way TCU is running right now. Um, I just, they, I don't think they've seen... The average frequency rate against this Iowa State defense has been six, six percent. So they are going to see a three hundred, two hundred percent increase, right? A triple in what they're used to. They're just, these guys are just going to be attacking them like what they haven't seen. They have big bodies too, and it's going to be it's going to be a great game. It's going to be a great game. Yeah, I don't know if Iowa, Iowa State's going to. That's the thing. Yeah, and, and when they're forced to run, they were losing. You know, they were forced to run when they played right. Iowa, right? They were forced to run in some of those big losses that they had, you know. So I think that's a big important factor that, you know, TCU's a running team. You know, they're going to mm -hmm. uh, use that to their advantage. So I agree. one other thing that I want to mention about this handicap is that people are going to say this is a letdown spot for TCU. No, it is not a letdown spot because they beat Baylor, and here's the reason why. First of all, TCU is still underrated. You know, there's, they're not getting their respect. Um, as a 13-1 and one team, a lot of people are ripping at their conference or their non-conference as well. And number two, um, you know, coming into Iowa State, they're coming back home here, and they're going to want to prove to their home crowd that they are legitimately a top Big 12 team. You know, it's not a letdown if you are not a higher team. You know, in my opinion here, especially early in conference play, there's no letdowns early in conference play. If this was February and this happened, maybe I look at it a little different because they're going to have the time to get the respect. They're going to have the time to uh, yeah, yeah. think hard about it. So I think I think that you can you can have a letdown maybe when you get a win you shouldn't have. Like you know, if it's like a big like road win, and then maybe like it's not necessarily like a letdown spot as for the team as much as it is for the expectations and the spread, right? So like. Like, because we're playing two different games when we're when we're putting points on the board, you know, and we're laying it and, and we're getting extra value. So I think that letdowns for betting versus letdowns for teams can be can be very different, and we need to be able to see the difference. You know, absolutely. they're both valuable. Absolutely, absolutely. I think it's important to know right when conference play happens, these guys are excited every single game. What's the game, last game that you want to talk about, Justin? 
Yeah, let's quickly uh, just get into what uh, is going to go on with New Mexico and UNLV. I'm excited about this game. I think these two teams are going to give us a show. Uh, UNLV was, you know, one of these undefeated teams. They they took a couple losses here, all deserved, but they're definitely hungry to get back in the win column. Only one against Southern Miss in their last four. Uh, but we we rate them as as one of the best teams in terms of forcing defensive turnovers they're 37th in adjusted shot quality or around that like 1.07 expected points per possession on offense and limiting uh, defense to 0.91 so doing a pretty good job uh, and and seeing again you know what's going to go on with New Mexico Um, we actually rated that Fresno game as a win which is pretty interesting uh, by not very much. We had actually had 64-64 and probably like a decimal point win. So it was definitely one of those games that was up in the air of who got, you know, maybe a roll or two or, you know, maybe a call or two. That was a pretty interesting game if you watched it. But I think this is going to be pretty close, maybe closer than people expect. Uh, UNLV ranks higher than New Mexico, and you're probably going to get a pretty good line. Uh, fading New Mexico still and, and an expected bounce back, but they're still going to have to battle it out in conference play for sure. So is there a side you like? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely taking UNLV. Okay, I want to make sure of that. Okay, cool. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I think we're expecting, like, New Mexico to be favored by about, like, four or five points uh, right now, so I'm, I'd probably take those points. Uh, I could see UNLV giving them a run for their money. Well, not just that. UNLV is great at turn, forcing turnovers. They're number two in yeah. the nation at forcing turnovers. I think that's huge. Also, uh, UNLV plays at very fast pace. They rank 28th in average possession length when New Mexico ranks 46th in average possession length. I think this thing could go over. Uh, yeah. Lots of teams are trying to slow UNLV down. Uh, UNLV is playing very good defense, and that's part of the reason. And I think that could be the reason that why they get this spread. You know, I love fading overvalued teams, just like I faded Con- Connecticut last night. I, uh, you know, took my play with Providence and Ed Cooley and took the five points. And heck, you know, the sprinkle on the money line worked out really well for that one because you know you're like lo- you're looking at plus two twenty, plus two forty on that, and they won outright. It wasn't even close at the end. They won by double digits there. So, um, you know, this feels like the same situation. New Mexico coming off the loss, just like UConn was. Well, you think, oh, this is their get up spot. No, they're probably a little timid from that loss. And uh, you know, V. A very good defensive team. If you look at the defenses that New Mexico yeah. faced, really non-existent. You know, the only one that was good was St. Mary's, and that was just a low-scoring game. So I do give them, I do give them credit for that. No, no, uh, no. Obviously, don't want. I think I think it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see how uh, UNLV deals with the way New Mexico goes at the rim. Right? Um, they they really and they also don't commit a lot of offensive turnovers so it's really going to be you know something's got to give here uh if if new mexico takes care of the ball and and gets it done at the rim they're probably going to continue to win uh, put themselves in good positions to do so Uh, but their defense has definitely not been anything to really write home about they have i guess good defensive playmakers but their metrics look a little bit uh mediocre uh something they are good at is the off the dribble three which i'm assuming helps them keep uh, scores low, but 121st in defense on shot quality is not really going to make it the hardest to sort of score against them. And you saw that with a team like Fresno State. I mean, Fresno, I think that's six wins in a row 
for Fresno against New Mexico. So you have to also consider that conference play for this New Mexico team riding this high. They have a huge target on their back right now in conference play. Everyone wants a piece of them. Like, oh, they went 13-0. Like, you know, they're going to have – like, UNLV is going to put a uh, good performance together. I, I like taking the points on this one. It, it should be a fun game. I agree. You're going to probably get quite a few points here, four or five of them at least, in my opinion. So uh, UNLV is a great spot to fade New Mexico. So there you go, five points. There's plenty of room there for something kind of back and forth here happening at the end. Love it. Well, that's, Justin, great breakdowns of some of the biggest games coming up this weekend. I love the information at Shot Quality Bets. I love how you can see all the regression and, uh, I guess, anti-regression, negative regression stats that you can see here. Uh, You look at it from a complete different perspective when the whole market's using things like Ken Palm and Bart Torvik. You have this site that gives you a different way of handicapping that is hitting in a profitable way. So that is fantastic. If you guys want a piece of this, use the promo code ODDS23. You get 30% off uh, for shot quality bets. Justin, where could our listeners and viewers get your great information? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, go follow us on Twitter, shot quality bets. Uh, you can follow the parent company, shot quality, if you're interested in some of the stuff we do for NBA a little sneak preview that will be expected to come to shot quality bets before the end of the NBA playoffs. So uh, for next season, there's going to be NBA shot quality bets, which is going to be awesome, uh, including a player prop model. But shh. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, you know, we got great stuff coming. There's so much cool stuff. Like we're just getting started uh, with what we're building on this site. We are here to stay. And you're going to hear about shot quality a lot more. So yeah, definitely give us a follow shot quality bets. We got, Really just like some of the best data out there that uses some of the most up to like the second positioning data for how shots are taken. And it just gives you a way to look through the noise that is result-driven efficiencies that are very common now. And, and of course, did give us everything that we're here doing, right? Like these efficiency metrics paved the way, but there is more to be done. And we're seeing it across a lot of sports with expected metrics. Shot quality is bringing that to basketball and helping us understand the quality of play rather than the results of it and the variance that we see occur in real time. Absolutely. And make sure you follow Justin at Justin Perry. Hey, Justin, thank you so much for coming on. Hey, my pleasure, man. Always happy to join. I will see you next time. I hope you all have a very profitable new year. Now it is time for the sharp side of the force. The sharp side of the force is brought to you by betfredsports.com for 250 bucks worth of free bets. Please visit betfred and use the promo code odds23 terms, conditions, and location apply. All right, we're going to start out with sharp college football. There's only one game left. In the FBS, anyway, TCU versus Georgia. Uh, some sharp money's on TCU now. It's actually down to 12 and a half in some books here. 80% of the tickets, 92% of the money. You know, if it was major, it would have taken it down to 11 and a half, 10 and a half. But, you know, there's, there's some more money coming in and some smarter money on TCU, which is interesting. I find that. Uh, I find that telling. So maybe this line keeps going down. And if you like the Georgia side, then you can wait it out a little bit. Uh, the total, this is uh, going towards the over. This was 61 and a half. Now it's 62 and a half, 63. And a couple books too. 90% of the tickets on the over and 94% of the money. So uh, keep that in mind. Now for the NFL, it's obviously been a mess. Sometimes when injury news comes out, the book will make an adjustment before money does. 
But what I will say is that there's some sharper money on the Raiders side from nine and a half down to nine, fifty seven percent of the tickets, ninety three percent of the money. The Vikings obviously was like minus two and a half to minus seven and a half, but you know, some of that was just news. Sixty percent of the tickets and eighty percent of the money. Uh, the Jets, obviously, plus three and a half to minus one, 48% of the tickets, 96% of the money. That was a big move. Glad to be a part of that one. Um, not really on the Saints here. I mean, Falcons pick them to minus four, 29% of the tickets, 67% of the money. A uh, little bit of sharp money in the Rams from plus six and a half down to plus six, 71% of the tickets, 98% of the money. Uh, Denver Broncos from plus three and a half all the way to minus two and a half, 56% of the tickets and 96% of the money. And then a little bit on the commanders now, plus seven and a half down to plus seven, 53% of the tickets, 78% of the money. Sharp money finally on the Lions at plus four and a half, 49% of the tickets, 87% of the money. Let me take a quick look at totals. There wasn't a lot when I looked earlier. You know, obviously a lot of these are going under. Texans versus Colts under 40, down to 38, 53% of the tickets, 77% of the money. And the Browns versus Steelers, 42, down to 40 and a half, 89% of the tickets, and 97% of the money. It uh, looks like the Giants versus Eagles kind of towards the over, short money in the over, 40.5 to 42.5, 66% of the tickets, and 99% of the money. And that's all we have for our Sharp Money Report. My friends, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you have any questions for our Monday Mailbag, please tweet us at The Ozbreakers. Send us an email at info at theozbreakers.com. Have a great rest of your weekend. Enjoy the basketball. Enjoy the football, the national championship. And go get some winners.